Franz Madeliner has significant experience and knowledge with early stage startups, brand and concept augmentation and developing companies at the tipping point of market penetration and success. Turning an idea into a profitable and sustainable business model, either from the ground up or in a turnaround situation. Franz Madlener is a lifelong entrepreneur. Business Wilderness, my name is Armand Albuli, and today I have a very special guest with me, Mr. Franz Madlener. Thank you. Very good, thank you. Franz. Thank you for getting my name right. <laughs> well, that, that is a good start anyway. Correct. So, Franz. Yes. Let's go back a few years. I'd love to hear from you, your journey from the very, very beginning. Where did it all start for you? Um, I think uh, most entrepreneurs will tell you that very early on in life, even if it was at school, they had a desire to go out and do something on their own, to build something, to create something, to make something. And um, certainly from a, a young age, I knew that I wanted to get out of school and go and go and do something. So I, I left school at a, at a very young age. I didn't, didn't even complete year 10 initially. Um, I did end up going back to school and, and went back to, to uh, Monash as a mature age student. But uh, at the time, I just wanted to get out of school and um, make, make, something, make something happen. And uh, when I was at school, I think I was in year eight or year nine, I used to sell the footy record at... Uh, AFL Park, VFL Park as it was then, wow. yeah. and uh, it occurred to me that in the off-season, all of the, uh, the vending boxes that the kids would walk around with selling chips and drinks and lollies were sitting there not getting used. And so through a contact, through a friend, we were able to get hold of some of those during the summer period. and. Uh, we got some friends together and we loaded them up with um, soft drinks and whatever else we could find and walked up and down the beach um, at uh, Edith Vale in the summertime um, selling drinks and chips and lollies at a highly inflated price. So I think that was my first, um, my first foray into entrepreneurship. Amazing. So that was at the age of? Uh, 14 I'd say, yeah. Yeah, 14, 14. 13, 14. Were they doing that at the footy at that time? Well, well, no. I mean, they during the footy season they were walking around and selling it as part of what you could buy. But I, the idea was to then get hold of those boxes that you hung around your neck and filled up with cold drinks and ice creams and go and do it on the go and do it on the beach. And I, I very quickly realised that um, if I can get other people to do it for me and I can coordinate it, that's even better still. So that was. My first uh, understanding of scaling. Wow. And then from there? Uh, I did all sorts of things. I, I think I was a um, very much a ship without a rudder. And uh, I went and um, uh, worked in the music industry and worked in, uh, worked in clothing and uh, fell into surfwear, uh, which was my, I guess, my first real uh, retail venture. 
and opened up stores called Ocean Blue, which we ended up selling. And, and at that stage, I was uh, 20, 21 years old. I have no, no idea where the money came from, um, but you get people on board and you get people to believe in what you're doing. And um, we worked with, uh, I worked with some suppliers and um, got some landlords to believe that what we were doing was a bit different. And this is in the very late 80s, early 90s. And uh, so that was Ocean Blue. So this was all at 21 years old? Yeah. yeah. So heavy, I mean, like, I'm sure you would have dealt with some larger suppliers and they would have tried to crunch some numbers on you and you would have been younger. How did you, how did you do with, with all that? Well, it's actually quite the opposite. I really? think if you go in and you, particularly if you are young, and you can demonstrate this enthusiasm, this yeah. fire in the belly and that you've got this idea and you, 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 you just need some people to come in and, and help you. And if they can believe in what you're doing, then they'll, they'll come on board. And I knew that there was no point going to Rip Curl and Quicksilver and Billabong, um, but I went to all the second tier and third tier uh -huh. surf brands. Ironically, Mambo was just starting up at, at that time, and, um, and there, was a, there was a few other brands, and we were off and running. So we, we got a business off the ground with no real capital from memory and the landlords were the same thing we, we i went to some shopping centers second second tier shopping centers and um we asked for help with the fit out and the branding and uh, they were keen to have something new and exciting in their center and so we had the landlord on board and we had the suppliers on board and then i just had to make sure that it would actually happen it would actually deliver so then you've got to work really really hard to, to deliver so that was that was your ocean blue venture. Yeah. And what are some of the obstacles or challenges that, that you basically faced going through that? Or if anybody sounds I think it was pretty 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 smooth. Oh well, no, it ended up failing um, uh, in a big way. <laughs> and um, but you know, not not failing in the sense that uh, uh, money was lost out of it or, or people didn't get paid, but failing in the sense that. Um, I, I enabled it, I allowed it to grow too quickly. And um, that growth um, got to a point where I couldn't control it anymore. So what do I mean by that? Um, we kept opening stores, we started manufacturing under our own brand. Um, we started bringing in new um, products, new product lines. Um, we started employing more people, we ended up with a warehouse, and it was very quickly at a level where there was no way the business was going to be able to continue without an injection of cash. And uh, that was something that I hadn't thought through at all. It never occurred to me that I'd probably at some point need to bring in equity partner or investor, and um, uh, all I understood at that point in time was that I didn't have the money to manage the growth, so therefore I had to sell. And uh, manage the sale of, of the business. Um, but really when I look at what I got out of it at the end, was not a lot for the effort and the hard work that, that went in. But I learned a lot out of it, and, and I certainly learned that um, 
whilst it's easy to go into a business, uh, start a business and, and get the business going with no money, in the sense of you're bringing people on board and you're getting your suppliers and whoever else it is that you need to bring on board, but that doesn't mean you can sustain that business if you want to want to grow it. And uh, you've really got to understand early on, um, do I need to bring people in as investors or do I need to contain the growth to work within the cash flow and the profit that I've got? You mentioned you grew too, too quickly. Um, so many entrepreneurs are building businesses and everybody loves growth. Um, but now there's this side of growth that... But do they? Do yeah. people love growth because they think that's what people want to hear? Yeah. Or do they love growth because they think that's going to deliver a better exit? Or do they love growth because they think it's going to deliver more profit? Or is it just what they're supposed to say? Could be. <laughs> it could be. It could be any of those. Yeah. Well, so when... So you are a young entrepreneur. You, you, you built this business, you put a lot of work and effort into it, and you're looking to grow this business, right? So how do we know when to grow, how to grow, and when not, when not to grow too, too quickly? Because, you know, that could be like a catch-22. A catch you might get an, an opportunity to grow, and then say, oh, no, I'm not ready for it, and then might get another one, and, and regret that, and then you, you might, not get the opportunity and they want to grow. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, very good question. Um, keep in mind here, we're talking about something that happened a long time ago. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm 50 yeah. and we're talking about something that happened when I was 20. And when you, when you look back, um, naivety um, and a lack of experience and a lack of knowledge can be a great thing because you don't really understand what can go wrong? You just get up every day and you work as hard as you can. You put all this energy in. You've got this boundless energy. And you just you just do it, and you probably do take on board every opportunity that's out there without really thinking it through. And it could work or it couldn't work. Um, as far as understanding growth, coming back to your question and, and growing too quickly or not growing quickly enough and, and managing that. You can often only answer that question with hindsight. Mm -hmm. So you can look back and say, as I do now, and say, well, grew too quickly. Uh -huh. um, at the time, you've just got to back yourself and believe what you're doing is what you're doing is right. What I do believe now, as, as I've, I've sort of done the journey over the last 30 years, is ensuring that whatever growth you plan for, however you want to scale up, you're doing it because you want to do it and you believe it's right and you know you can manage it, not because it's what you think other people should be doing or how they view your business and it should be scaled up. So it comes back down to your personal goals. That goal that you set from day one, is it, is it helping you achieve that goal? Is it helping you reach that objective that, that, that you're trying to reach? It doesn't matter what's going on around you. Is that what? Yeah, you've, you, you need to get buy-in from other people to help you achieve your goal. Yeah, yeah. 
but you can't then ultimately let them become the people who remodel or reshape your yep. goal. Um, and if you look in a, in a current um, entrepreneur environment, startup environment, people have some great ideas, some fantastic ideas, but what ends up happening is they bring all these other people in to help them, then those people have ideas about what should happen, then they talk to potential investors that they, they want to bring in, um, whether it's in, in early stage or a little bit later, who give them opinion on what should happen, and their idea or their vision or their dream or what got them started ends up morphing into something else because try to please a whole lot of people were too easily influenced on what other people's suggestions were and sometimes a business can lose the plot on where it's actually going. Yeah. So it is important that from the beginning you, if you're going to start a business because you have absolute belief in what it is, that you've got the ability to have the conviction through the journey to stick to that belief and keep working on delivering on what you believed in the first place. That doesn't mean you become so dogmatic that you're not prepared to be flexible or not prepared to listen to other people, of course. but you're doing it deliberately and consciously, yeah. not just because you're being um, blindly guided. Yeah, because there's been so many stories of, he said, you won't succeed, she said, you, you, you'll, you'll never get a pass, and they've ended up being some of the biggest companies in the world. Correct, yeah. yeah. So it's, it really comes down to be, having that balance of where you, you focus on your vision, focusing on what you know you can achieve, and also taking advice, listening to those that have been there before you. Absolutely, and, and understanding, I guess, at a, at a point in your journey that it's never going to go in a straight line. It's not, I start here and I, I finish here. Yeah. But so many variables will, will come into it. Um, of all the business books that I've, I've read over the years, and, and uh, I've probably have read a hundred of them, there's some quotes that you remember out of each of them, and I can't remember which book it was, but it talked about the space shuttle when it first went to the moon. Yeah. And that although everyone knew where it started and everyone knew where it had to finish, in actual fact, it was only on course 8% of the time. The other 92%, it was off course, and everyone had to work like hell to try to get it back on, on course again. And that always um, struck me as, as um, being a, a bit of a metaphor in business where you know where you start and you know where you want to get to, um, but the journey along the way, you've got to make sure you keep adjusting to get back to what your goal is. And so that's your vision, that's your belief, that's your determination, that's what you want to do. When you get off track a little bit, you've got to make sure that the advice you're getting or taking on board will help you get back on, on track again. That you don't end up sort of veering off and ending up somewhere else in, a, in another solar system. Yeah, I mean, it's vital that you stay in line, otherwise yeah. 
you know, that's how, as you said earlier, that's how companies lose a block. So, okay, we've, we've spoken a bit about, about that journey, but I mean, every entrepreneur is, is going through a different journey. But one thing that they all have in common is they, they all face obstacles and challenges. Mm. They have those dark days mm. where they think this is just not happening. Mm. Uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm doing things wrong. Maybe I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not meant to be in this. You know, there's always that element of self-doubt. So well, what, what are some of the challenges that you, you faced along the way and how did you overcome them? It's, it's interesting that this is now being spoken about um, and, and it's something that people want to talk about. Yeah. If I go back uh, 20 years ago, no one would speak about uh, self-doubt and internal struggles that you may have with coming to grips of, of you know, are you going to get through this? How are you coping with, with the journey that you're, you're going on? And so... The great thing is, it's being spoken about. I think we'd have to credit that to a famous entrepreneur, Gary Gary V. Yeah. Gary Vanger. He's yeah. he's all about that. He's about giving people their dose of, of reality. So that's fine. Yeah, abso- nice. absolutely. And and you know, it's, unless you um, can be comforted in the fact that you're not the only person that um, faces these mental hurdles yeah. and these challenges, unless you can be comfort, comforted in that, um, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get through it. If you know that other people have faced that and they've gotten through it, it's going to make it easier for you to do it. Um, there was a, another great story, and, and just to try to make a point, is that... Um, uh, a famous Australian runner, Roger Bannister, goes back a long time. He was the first uh, first guy to break the four-minute mile. Now, someone out there is going to tell me that I've got my facts wrong or I've named him wrong, or, um, but I'm pretty sure that's who it was and what the, what the time was. And prior to that, nobody believed it could be done. He was the first one that did it. After that, a year after that, another dozen people were able to do it. Again, someone will say it wasn't a dozen, it was nine. Or, but you understand what I'm saying. And so it's not until somebody's done something that people thought wasn't possible, others find that they can do it as, as well. So when it comes to the, the self-doubt that you have, the mental hurdles that you go through as an entrepreneur, um, the challenges to your own beliefs, it's not until you realise other people have gone through the same thing and you can read about and hear about um, firsthand the way people have dealt with it and gone through it, that you feel you can go through it as well. And I'm sure there's a lot of businesses and entrepreneurs out there now that wouldn't have gotten to where they are if they, haven't, if they weren't able to learn um, those lessons from other people who have gone through the same thing. There's some great books out there about the struggles of an entrepreneur. Yeah, like mo- modern day entrepreneurs, uh, millennials and so on, they have a gift that others never have, and that's called the 
internet because the, the accessibility to resources is, is crazy. There's that many resources that they can get their hands on and read and learn and apply. I mean, yeah. Yes, but also the internet also um, is the feeder of so much bullshit as well. So, you know, there's this, yes, they're getting access to all of this that we're talking about, yeah. um, but then at the same time they're reading about all these other entrepreneurs that apparently created billion-dollar companies overnight, you know, and out of their garage and uh, all they had to do was X, Y and Z and um, all these people that achieved overnight success. And so there's also this comparative factor um, you know, where it's, it's almost the, um, the, the Instagram equivalent of, you know, they get a snapshot of somebody else's success and they think that's what they should look like as well. So, yes. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. So, yeah, we, we see back then we didn't have that. But the only way we could compare really was by reading books and um, reading uh, information about companies that, had gone through the through the journey, but keep in mind back back then, and, um, I'm sounding like a dinosaur. I know, but if we talk about 20, 30 years ago, um, th there was no real discussion of overnight success. People didn't do overnight success. They did success, but they didn't do overnight success. And I think that's where the internet today um, uh, can mislead entrepreneurs into believing that they should be obtaining overnight success as well. Overnight success happens over many years, they say. Yeah, yeah, well, um, we, uh, my wife and I watched a documentary last night on, a, uh, on an 80s, 1980s pop star um, and the life that he went through to become, he ended up becoming for five minutes one of the most famous pop stars in, in the UK. Um, a guy called Adam Ant from Adam and the Ants. Look it up, great music in its day. Anyway, he, um, he spoke about fame and, and it was reported in the papers that you know, he achieved overnight fame, overnight success. And he said, well, yes, when I appeared on the equivalent of Countdown, Top of the Pops, in that three and a half minutes, we then straight away achieved overnight success and became number one. He said, but it took three and a half years to get that three and a half minutes to get overnight success. And so overnight success or immediate fame or instant success, um, very, 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 very rare. I can't think of too many um, startups that genuinely achieved overnight success without there being a lot of there's always, stories, there's always stories behind the scenes where they've been working on something for many, many years. So that's all, it's, all, it's, it's always the case. Yeah. I mean, uh, the issue, one of the issues as well that's, that's come up with the internet is everybody wants to live this glamorous life. The life of an entrepreneur all of a sudden become a, a, a glamorous one. And people call themselves entrepreneurs, they put all these pictures on social media, flashy cars and money and, and uh, boats and yachts and so on and that's the perception that that, that, they, that they want people to, to have of them when really it's it's not that I mean some of the most successful people in the world if you look at the most successful people in the world 
from Warren Buffett to Bill Gates to uh, Bezos and Zuckerberg. They're humble people. You, you'll never see that stuff come from them. Yeah. So that's also one of the factors that's, that's, that's influencing that overnight success. Uh, and that's why so many people are failing. That's why they say the, the startup failure rates are like, in, I think in, in the United States last year it was at like 90 something percent. So it's really, it's really uh, come down to the individual and their, their mental thought process and how they see or, 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 or actually view things. Well, not National Australia Bank uh, a few years ago, I did some seminars sponsored by them and they pulled together some statistics on businesses in Australia, startup businesses, and they came back and said that um, approximately 80% of all businesses that start up today will not exist in seven years' time. Yeah. Which is a really high figure when you, when you think about it. Um, and if you were to ask yourself, well, why, why is that? Um, a lot of it will come down to the fact that, you know, they tried to enter into a market that they really didn't understand, they didn't do the forward plan, they didn't have the resources, they didn't have the financial capability, they entered the market at the wrong time, they didn't know how to reinvent themselves. But there's also a percentage that comes back to what you're saying, is that they got so far ahead of themselves that they thought being an entrepreneur, opening up a business, starting a business, doing a startup will provide a lifestyle, will um, will be a gateway to all sorts of things when in actual fact really if you ask me what the definition of an entrepreneur is, which ask me. <laughs> what is the definition of an entrepreneur? It is whatever you believe that it is. It shouldn't be something that you take out of a dictionary or that you take as gospel from what somebody else has told you. Being an entrepreneur is about how you want to go about your journey um, and the determination that you have in going about that, that journey. I've got another question for that. Yeah. You've managed many people before, employees. Certain uh, organisations and leaders where once they reach a certain level, or in general they feel like they're self-entitled, everyone's working for them, so on, so on. Are you under, under the belief that the larger your organisation is, the more people you have, even whoever, if you employ one person, you work for them, not they work for you, in terms of you put more effort into making that, that organisation a better place for them, and you make their, their comfort, their stay in your organisation a priority, because if you do that, they're going to produce much better, much better results. I guess there's, there's two, two things to say about that. Is employees or staff don't work for me and I don't work for them. We all work for the business. I like that. We should all be standing shoulder to shoulder looking at in the same direction that the business needs to go in yeah. and that's who we work for, the business. Um, and then that, by nature, makes us all 
equal. Because at the end of the day, no one is any more important or less important in a business if that person is contributing to the success of the business. So that that's probably the first thing. The second thing though, as a leader um, of people, I'm not saying that I'm a great leader of people, but as a leader of people, you should never ask somebody to do something you wouldn't be prepared to do yourself. And I've instilled that in every manager that I've ever had, every general manager, every CEO, every um, person that's even in the warehouse. Never ask somebody to do something that you wouldn't be prepared to do yourself. And I've actually demonstrated that you've been prepared to do it. And that gets the buy-in. That, gets, that shows people that this is about the business. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's about the business. And when you can get people to stand shoulder to shoulder and look ahead, that's when you can create something pretty powerful. That's a much better answer <laughs> than mine. Um, okay, awesome. I mean, many people are, are on this journey. We know right now it's crash hot. Every, everybody's got a startup. Every, everybody wants to become the next LinkedIn, Facebook, yada yada. What advice do you, do you have for these people? I, I've been asked for whatever reason this question a lot lately. And I wonder why I'm getting asked it, it a lot. And I think the reason that it is getting asked of me and it is getting asked of others is because of the incredibly high failure rate that's out there. And by failure, I mean um, the belief that startup entrepreneurs have of it's almost like an entitlement to invest the money and it's almost a belief of entitlement that investors have of return of their money if they put it into a startup Start, yeah. and how quickly that's all supposed to all supposed to happen. So what I often talk about as a starting point is the wave. And if we go back to uh, my dinosaur days when I was 20 with Ocean Blue, a, a surf company, um, uh, the wave, if you think about riding a wave, um, if you are on a board and you're out there and uh, you're waiting for the wave to come and, and you can see that wave coming, if you start paddling too early, too hard and too fast, you will run out of energy before that wave comes and you will miss it. You'll have, you'll have burnt out. You'll have expended everything you've got. If you leave it for too long, waiting for it to be perfect before you start paddling, you'll get dumped. You'll get dumped, you'll have missed it, and others will have got onto it. But if you can time it just right, then it can be pretty easy to catch that, that wave in. And so if you look at it in a business sense, if you've got a tech startup or any other sort of startup, you need to understand very quickly where you sit in the journey of what it is that the market that you're trying to, trying to enter and where that wave is. Because if you are trying to go too early and you don't have the capacity, the financial capacity or the people or the resources, 
to catch that wave when it comes, you're going to get dumped and others will go ahead. Um, if you leave it too long, obviously everyone else has got it and, and it's, it's gone past. So I think it's, it's, about, um, it's about understanding what you believe your expectations are and what you believe can be achieved whether you benchmark that or, or, or whether you've done it on research or however you've done it, um, rather than what the expectations are of um, potential investors or um, people that you're trying to come in to bring some, some capital in. I, I talk about the, the bullshit factor. You're not allowed to say that word, the bullshit factor? Want, yeah. Okay, so the bullshit factor is that um, I need you to invest in my business so I will say whatever I think you need to hear yeah. so that I get your, okay. your capital. Yeah. You as the investor will tell me whatever you think I need to hear in order for me to accept whatever it is that you're offering. You're offering. Yeah. And very rarely um, do either of those two marry up in the best interest of the business, the business and what the business can achieve and where the business is in its life cycle and what it needs to be able to catch catch the wave. Wow, there you go. <laughs> Did I answer the question? Definitely. Okay. Different, but definitely did. Um, Alright, thank you very much, France. You've been very, very insightful and informative. Just quickly before we let you go, where can we find you on social media? Um, well, as a dinosaur, um, you can you can fax me or uh, send me a telex. No, no, um, LinkedIn is the, the best LinkedIn. way to the best way to, to go about it. Um, there was one thing we didn't discuss, and I want to talk about very quickly, if Sorry. I can. And it's uh, just the one bit of advice that I would have for startup uh, entrepreneurs, yeah. and it's about mentors. Yes. And um, we spoke about it briefly before we started this. Yeah. And if you haven't got a mentor, get a mentor. Don't get a mentor um, who just tells you what you want to hear. Um, get a mentor that's got some good war stories, that's smelt and tasted failure, and can help you on your journey. Get a mentor that can help you with um, the mental struggles that you may have in dealing with all of this. Um, and you may have two or three mentors, but get a mentor. Awesome. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank, thank you. Thank you for joining me on the Business Wilderness. Thank you. Thank you.